another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream. Hi, folks. This is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Dictated, as I would say, almost always is the case. From my personal mobile studio, which is my 2006.5 Jetta Diesel TDI, as I make my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Sharing our morning drive once again. And uh, today, if you care about the weather at all, it's 46 degrees as I'm driving. It is absolutely beautiful outside. And once again, I wish I was staying home to work on my little homestead in the city here. Or better yet, up in Hot Springs working on my primary homestead. Uh, But no, I'm off to another day in the office. Just like probably many of you are uh, when you listen to my show the next day. If you download it or maybe on your way home, you might listen to me. We're at work. Like you, I'm a regular guy. I go to work every day. I'm not just a a talk show host, I guess. And uh, today we're going to talk about just basically what you need to be doing financially and economically with your lives. As I promised you last week, I'm going to talk this week more about what you can do for yourself, no matter what these idiots are going to do in our government. But there are some things that I need to kind of poke a stick at before I I go into this, just to wake people up that maybe are new listeners and uh, aren't used to this stuff, or uh, you know, maybe you still got your head in the sand a little bit. Uh, I just want to point out some things that are going on out there. Before I do that, though, once again, I want to do a few announcements. Uh, Number one, I want to mention again that uh, David Crawford, also known as Half Fast, and I are teaming up, and we are producing an audio version of David's novel called Lights Out. He's written it. He's making some final edits to it uh, as we go right now. I don't actually have the final rendition. Uh, The PDF that's been changed multiple times, there's some things he wants to change, so uh, I'm waiting to get some word docs from him, and uh, we may just run with it the way that it is. I'm pretty happy with the way it is, but you know, an author always wants to uh, tweak things and uh, make it a little better if they can, but that audio book uh, is probably a three to four month project for me to get recorded and uh, produced and ready and available for people uh, to download or purchase on CD. But you can get a sneak preview um, of the first two chapters and the prologue uh, by going to the survivalpodcast.com and filling out a form and giving us some information about your thoughts on the final product. And uh, we'll give you those instant downloads. There's also two chapters that David sent me last night that are kind of from the middle of the novel, uh, separated, and they're both very, very good. I'm going to record those next, and those will be available for preview. If you've already requested the preview, I will notify the list uh, that the new chapters are available. I'll announce it here as well, and the same link will work for those. And uh, if you request it after that point, well, you'll just get them all right there. And that's going to give you a good, you know, kind of an understanding of how the whole book is going to read from the very beginnings where things are kind and it's still held together all the way out to where things really start to break down. I think it's a great novel, and I hope that uh, a lot of people will partake and uh, support David's work uh, by uh, purchasing an audio copy when it's completed. The next thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to get on our forum, um, the survivalpodcast.com slash forum, or just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on forum. Uh, it is a rapidly growing forum, over 1,000 members, getting close to 30,000 posts. It is less than 
and six months old still. And just about anything you would want to talk about from economics to homesteading uh, to guns to knives to primitive weapons to wilderness skills to emergency planning, you name it, it can be discussed there with good quality people uh, that actually know what they're talking about and look to help each other. All right, so let's get into uh, the meat of today's show, which is just kind of assessing your financial life and your uh, your your current living situation, your lifestyle, everything around you, and trying to figure out how you can solidify it, what steps you can take now before things get worse, because I believe that things are going to get worse. So let's take a look at what's going on out there from you know people getting laid off and uh, state governments in trouble and things like that. Right now, if you're a Californian and you overpaid your state income tax, which many people do because they'd rather overpay than underpay, you should be getting a, a check in the mail today, yesterday, today, tomorrow, somewhere around right now, they're due back. And I talked about this earlier, uh, that this could happen. Well, now it has happened. The deadline for checks to be mailed back to taxpayers uh, was February 1st, I think, maybe February 2nd, and any... Uh, condition. Uh, by now, it's past a day or two. And you should be, if you're a Californian, expecting your check. You're not getting a check. You're getting an IOU. The state of California does not have the money yet. They're basically waiting for that uh, fiscal state stabilization fund to come from the federal government to pay the money they owe their own taxpayers. Uh, that's part of that stimulus we'll get to in just a second. All right, so California, for all intents and purposes, is bankrupt. If they were anybody other than a government, they would be bankrupt right now. There would be no other alternative for them other than to go to bankruptcy court. Of course, governments do not have to do that. So California taxpayers can look at a piece of paper that said the government owes them money. Now, I guarantee you, if you owe the state of California money and you send them an IOU, they're not going to be amused and they're going to come see you and show you some shiny bracelets, possibly. Uh, but you're going to pay. Uh, but they're not paying because they're saying they don't have the money. And as I said, something to really keep an eye on on the West Coast if at some point California is unable to cover its welfare checks. And just my gut, uh, they're saying this isn't true, but my gut is if they can't pay this this month, 60 to 90 days, if they don't get some more money from somewhere, they're going to start being short on being able to pay those welfare checks. And that could really launch into a powder keg. Let's look at some of the uh, the other things that are going on, just in the general economy. Uh, Microsoft just laid off 5,000 people. Microsoft, who is profitable, okay, made money last year, is making money right now. Business is down, but they're profitable. They laid off 5,000 people. All right. Uh, Target has laid off about 2,000 people so far and is continuing to lay them off. Target is also profitable. Texas Instruments, uh, who does a lot of defense work and electronics work and things like that, you would think they would be doing pretty decent right now. They actually did return a profit in 2008. They just uh, eliminated 3,300 jobs, about half of them through layoffs and about half of them through voluntary early separation. Call that early retirement with very, very minimal benefits. Uh, Macy's, who is not profitable, has had to turn around and lay off 7,000 people. This is all this week. This week is not very old because it is now Tuesday. 
Um, you really have to start looking at that and go, not only are the companies that are losing money, like a sieve, laying people off, but what we're seeing is profitable companies that have really good accountants and really good intelligence into the market making preemptive cuts. When you see Target, Microsoft, okay, Texas Instruments doing these cuts today, what they're doing is they're positioning their company to weather the storm that continues to rage. People are talking about, when will the storm get here? The storm is here. Okay, in America and in modern society as a whole, in this in this this world today, we've gotten this concept that events occur and end relatively quickly. This is not going to end quickly. This is not going to occur quickly. This is a long-term, sustained financial problem, and there's very little that can be done to bring it to fruition before it's ready to do it on its own. The market has been screwed with, and when you screw with the market, it corrects itself, it adjusts, and then it eventually returns to a state of equilibrium. There's very little you can do to hasten that. There's a lot you can do to make it longer, and that's a lot of what the clowns are doing right now up on the hill. Figuring out how to pour spending and debt into it, and that is going to make the problem last longer. Enough of that, though. Just get get the concept that companies right now that are making money, that are profitable, that aren't losing money, are cutting jobs. Why are they cutting jobs? Because investors like to see job cuts. When investors see Microsoft cut 5,000 jobs, they're more likely to buy Microsoft stock because, okay, well, they're already profitable. Now they're leaning out. They'll probably be more profitable. Same with Target. Same with Texas Instruments. Notice that all these companies are publicly traded companies. Private companies that are making a profit right now are not cutting jobs. They're doing everything they can to retain their best people because now's a good time if you are a company in a growth curve with some capital to go out and find some really high quality people that have been caught up in layoffs. So private corporations are retaining people. Public corporations are laying them off. Private corporations are not trying to woo Wall Street back. That's why that's happening. Across the world, Australia has now joined the stimulus plan uh, brigade, I guess you would call it, the bailout brigade. Let's call it the bailout brigade. The Chinese have bailed people out, themselves out. Uh, the British have bailed themselves out. Spanish have bailed them out. The United States has bailed ourselves, trying to bail ourselves out. I guess I shouldn't say bailed ourselves out, but done bailout packages, the bailout brigade. Well, the Australians are pumping uh, $26 billion U.S. dollars. It's about $50 billion, roughly, Australian dollars into their... Uh, their economy right now in the name of infrastructure and improving social safety nets. So more socialism and more roads for Australia in the name of saving jobs. And their central bank has done a rate cut down to about 3.5%. Uh, so they are cutting interest rates. So cutting interest rates and stimulating the economy with spending. Sound familiar? So this is just what's going on. And it's why yesterday when I was asked on the forum, uh, when I made a comment about mutual funds, basically saying I think mutual funds are a scam. And before I go forward, let me clarify that. When I say mutual funds are a scam, I don't mean that they're a scam as a whole. I mean they're a scam as the way they've been sold to people. When you're told about mutual funds by financial advisors and all these experts and uh, Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and all these people, and Dave I love, but, you know, the mutual fund thing, look, they all say the same crap, and it's bullshit, all right? They give you this image that there's a super expert 
uh, stock guy, right? And he's got a team of super expert stock guys. And all they do all day is they analyze all these stocks in the sector. If it's mid-cap, mid-cap, large-cap, large-cap, income, dividend, whatever it is, they just analyze all the stocks in that sector. And they only buy the best ones. And when one looks like it's going to go bad, they sell it, right? Well, they don't do that. That's bullshit. Most of these funds can have no more than between 1% and 4% in cash at any one time, which means when they do sell a stock, they have to buy another stock, which means when you're sitting in a mid-cap fund and all the mid-cap companies are fixing to go down, all your fund manager can do is sit there and take it in the face. doesn't mean funds aren't useful. It just means they haven't been explained to people that way. People have been lied to. People haven't been told, you know what, every once in a while when you think the market is just going to crash, if you want to protect your money, the only person that can do it is you. You're the one that can liquidate the fund and go to cash or liquidate part of the fund and go to cash if you think that needs to be done. Your fund manager will never do that because if he does, he goes to jail because it violates the rules of the fund. All right? We're discussing that, and there's some agreement and some disagreement on that fact, but it's, it's just the way that it is. But I was finally asked, well, then, what are you looking for? Because I said, get out. I said, get out this summer. Said, July, August, get out of the stock market over and over again. I'm on record. Go listen to the earlier shows. This guy said, I heard you say it. I believe you. You did it. You called it. Now, when he, what are you looking for before you go back in? I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm looking for. But I know I haven't seen it yet, and I'll know it when I see it. And right now, when I look at the market, and this is what spawned today's show when I started thinking about this, there's nothing that could get me to buy any mutual fund right now, today, at all, period, end of story. I do not feel comfortable. I think that your money is safer in a 2% friggin' CD right now than it is in a mutual fund. That your 2% will look really good when the fund loses another 10 to 12% this year, which is what I think is going to happen. I could be wrong. I'm not a financial advisor. But when I look at what's going on out there right now, I look at this stimulus package, I look at the games, and now the games are being ratcheted up. I told you about this last week when I did this show on the stimulus package, that all you're going to hear in the coming weeks while the stimulus package is going is, shouldn't some of these Wall Street guys go to jail? That's the theme on Fox News this morning. Shouldn't somebody go to jail for this? Remember Ken Lay? He went to you know, he was going to go to jail. He died, but, I mean, you know, they, they brought charges against him. Isn't anybody going to have charges brought against him? What about all these billions of dollars that were paid out in uh, stimulus after uh, that we bailed these people out and they weren't supposed to have these golden parachutes? Everything that can possibly be done by the media, by the government, right now is being done to stir up that hornet's nest, to take your eye off of what the government is doing and get, get off the government. I want these guys prosecuted. And in the end, they'll probably pick one or two fall guys, they'll prop them up, they'll do a puppet show trial, and they'll make you feel better about it. But all of that's being done to take your eyes off the stimulus. At the same time, a counteroffensive is being launched by the Republicans, all right, not to save the day, but to sell the deal. All right? The Republican senators are standing up and going, we got to take this line amount out, this line item out, and this line item out. We shouldn't be funding this with a stimulus. And the danger is that they're right. 
They're telling the truth when they say that, but their goal is not what they're presenting. If they take out $5 billion for some crap program that we shouldn't do, they're not going to take it out of the bill. They're going to take that $5 billion and they're going to reappropriate it into some other program that's in there that shouldn't be there either. And in the end, the Republicans are going to be able to say, we stood up against Barack Obama and the Democrat majority, and look what we did. We got rid of that sod for the National Mall. That sod for the National Mall was never going to go at the National Mall. All right? A lot of these things, they put these, and look at the ones that really pissed you off. They were relatively, compared to the whole, small amounts of money. Five million for this, 25 million for that. I know it's a lot of money for me and you, but if the government needs to put 25 million into a program, there's a million ways to get that money in there. So what you do is you load up this bill with a bunch of bullshit and a bunch of extreme bullshit. Alright? You let the the extreme bullshit that's small potatoes and dull dollars go on the chopping block. You let the other side pull, peel it away, you reappropriate the funding within the bill, you get the bill passed, and once it's passed and in all these departments and this rat hole maze of shit, if you want the money for that program, you funnel it back in there. Alright? And you spend billions on oversight so that you have the infrastructure necessary to manipulate the money. That's what's going to go on right now. So what does all this spell? This spells bad freaking news for the economy. And my answer to what I'm doing with my money right now, I'm holding cash. I'm buying some gold or silver. Actually, I've already done it, so I'm holding some gold or silver. In certain instances, I'm looking for individual stocks of companies that seem like they're going to do good short term. And because they're going to do good short term, I'm willing to purchase them, hold them, and trade them. That is not investing, that is trading. And it's a very uh, particular skill set, and there's some risk that comes with it. So I'm doing that with a very small portion of my money. A very small portion relative to all of our savings. But there is an uh, opportunity to make money like that right now if you have a stomach for it and if you're taking risk capital into that equation, not your retirement funds. All right? And I'm looking for and purchasing material goods that have been depressed by the economy that are long-term purchases, such as I'm looking for a good used truck. It's a backup pickup truck to go with my new, my newer model pickup truck, okay? I'm looking for something like that because there's a ton of good deals on the market right now. I'm looking for a good travel trailer, something that's in good shape, not that old, that I can drag around, uh, that becomes a second dwelling for me and is usable from everything from a basic cheap vacation, camping trip, uh, to a true shit hit the fan scenario. Alright? I'm looking for a boat. I'm looking for a good boat, uh, this year. These are things that I'm doing because all of these things have been depressed in value. And it is only a matter of time before all this money that these assholes have thrown into the economy spins it back around and creates an inflation response. All right, we've devalued the money. We've tripled the money supply in three months. Okay, you're playing Monopoly. There's twenty five thousand dollars roughly in the game. Somebody drops another fifty thousand dollars worth of Monopoly money into the game, into the bank. It changes everything. The game won't work anymore. The only way to make the game work is to raise prices on everything by the the additional 66% that you've thrown in there. You have to do it. And sooner or later, this economy runs that way. It will happen. All this money that they've pumped in, and you're thinking, where's the money? I don't see it. It's there. It's in banks. 
It's in institutions. It's out there. Sooner or later, that money will start to flow. When it starts to flow into the economy, it's going to start creating inflation. At the same time, that this is all going on. All the manufacturing companies around the world are slowing down their manufacturer, all right, because they know the forecast for the future is not good. All the the warehouse companies and wholesales and retailers are dumping inventory like crazy, all right. They're dumping that inventory, and then the production's down. So eventually, when it's cleaned out, you have a shortage of inventory at the same time that your inflation spiral is coming. You're going to see the price of goods go up through the roof. All right, and you see private individuals dumping assets for cash. The guy that has an old truck, he's dumping it because I don't really need it. But, you know, I got laid off, and if I could get $1,500 for it, I could pay the mortgage. I could pay the mortgage, and I could pay the grocery bill this month. And it'll give us a little more longevity, give me a little bit more time. So I'm willing to part with it when I know it's really worth about 2500 but no one will pay that for it right now. So that's the opportunity I see. So that's my biggest advice for you right now. If you're sitting on some cash, and you're saying, what do I do with it? If there are things that will enhance the quality and the self-sufficiency of your life that are depressed in value, right now, those are the things to buy. People will turn around and say, aren't stocks depressed in value right now? Yes. But are they really depressed or are they just down and do they have more room to go down? Because I don't know the answer to that question. Alright? I'm not a Wall Street oracle. I don't know. Is this the bottom of the market? I don't know. But I have no confidence in the market in 2009. And there's no economists that have confidence in the market in 2009. If you point back to, you know, the 2001 crash, you could have set out 2001, 2002, and not gone back into 2003, about three quarter or a quarter through the year, and you would have lost almost nothing by being out of the market. In fact, you probably would have gained if you would have done other things with your money. All right, even if you just held CDs. So, that's my advice to you right now. My other advice is you really got to start doing some personal assessment. You really have to do some of the exercises that I've suggested in the past. I want everybody out there to really listen to the next 10 to 15 minutes since I wrap today's show up about the things I think you need to do. I think you need to get a notebook. I think you need to get a spending journal going. You need to see where every penny you spend goes. From a quarter in a machine to give your kid a Super Bowl, if there's still a quarter, I don't even know to how much money your electric bill is, and everything and anything in between, your mortgage, your taxes, everything. You need to record every dollar that passes through your hands, and where does it go, and you need to do that for at least 60 days. And while you're doing it, you need to evaluate why you spent the money, and you need to evaluate its return and how much it enhances your quality of life and your long-term sustainability. And if it doesn't give you either one of those at a very high level, you really need to question it. All right? I'm not saying cut all your pleasures out of life. All right? I'm saying be willing to look at everything and make that determination for yourself. I can't tell you, oh, you know, you don't need the enhanced cable package. Go back to standard. It's up to you. 
You have to make that choice for yourself. Maybe you watch channels uh, in that enhanced thing that help you form opinions about how to live your life, and maybe that's worth the extra 25 bucks or whatever to you. If it is, you know, you got to make your own call. But be willing to chop those things. And above all, know that, okay, well, if something really bad happens to me economically, these are the first things. These, these things I keep right now. But if I get laid off, here's my block. That goes the day I get off work, I come home, I sulk and have a beer if I need to do that. I call some buddies and bitch about how I got screwed over, right? And I start looking for a job and I cut that block of things. You need to know what those things are now. Not later, not after it happens. You need to know now. Because I'm predicting the unemployment rate is going to double in 2009. And people right now will tell me I'm crazy, but if I'm right by 10%, that's a million people. Okay? Which means the odds of one of them being you are a hell of a lot higher than winning a pick three in a lottery. It's as simple and as basic as I can make it. So you need to do that now. The next thing I would advise people to do is really start to ask yourself, is there any type of uh, business or supporting system that you can create for yourself outside of general employment? If you own a business, is there something creative that you can do to expand your business into other realms? If you're going to be successful in business in 2009, 2010, and probably all the way through 2011, the most successful businesses will be business when a person looks at it and says, when I spend a dollar with these people, it puts at least a dollar back. I either get a you know, value of entertainment plus the return of my money, or when I spend a dollar with these people, it puts a dollar fifty back in my pocket. Now it's a no-brainer. Now I'm going to do it. And how can you do something like that? Well, let's just take a couple different sectors and look at them and say, and if you, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell you, well, well Jim over in uh, you know, Wisconsin does this, and if he did this, I can't do that. It's too broad. But I can give you some ideas about some things I've had ideas about. And you can look at your own business, your own sector, or your own knowledge and say, can I create a business for myself based on my knowledge? Let's say you run a landscaping business in, uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth right now. That's been a great business to be in. People down here love their lawns. They love their St. Augustine and or Bermuda grass. A lot of people have one in one yard, you know, front yard and the other in the backyard. They love their bushes. There's a lot of money in this, this city. A lot of professionals don't have time to do it. Maybe even if the wife doesn't work, she doesn't want to do it. There's kind of that yuppie, uh, you know, ritzy, you know, shop for a living wife. There's a big demographic like that here with a lot of corporate executives spread out all over the Metroplex. You can find that money in Arlington, where I live, up in Plano and Frisco, out in South Lake, all four corners and in the middle, right? So that is there. So the landscaping business has just been wonderful around here. Plenty of illegal labor to hire for low-cost uh, labor force. So you hire a little crew of illegal labor. You put one guy that can speak English and Spanish that's uh, kind of a good talk-to-the-customer guy at the head of each crew. And you just start plucking off you know, the easy-picking business all through all these yuppie neighborhoods. Well, that business is in decline. And a lot of these guys haven't lost a penny of their salary. They're still employed. They're not laid off. They're not in trouble. They're just looking at the economy, and they're starting to rain in expenses. They're going, I don't really need all this manicure. You know what? Come out and cut the grass. That's all I need you to do. 
And then there's this whole demographic of people that are one level down from there to middle class and even kind of moving into upper middle class, but not that top end middle class that these guys generally serve. And, and down where the guy says, I'm going to cut my own freaking grass. I'm not paying you to cut my grass. And that demographic has never been exploited by the landscaping companies. Right? Instead of instead of being able to serve that demographic, they've just gone after the money, which has made sense. Well, that demographic right now is sitting there going, How do I pay my grocery bill every week? You know, and they're worried. What do I do? And more and more of those people are becoming listeners of show the show or getting involved in other communities that are, you know, doing financial planning, uh, survival planning, all these other things and going, the economy's really in trouble. What do we do? Well, what if you started approaching those people and said, you know what, we don't want to cut your grass. We're landscapers. We're professional landscapers. We have labor. We have tools. We have knowledge. What we want to do is come in and convert part of your landscape into an edible landscape. This is going to produce food for your household. Whatever surplus is there, we'll take it away. Whatever you don't want to use, we'll just take. Maybe we'll pay you some small portion for it, and uh, we'll give that to you as a rebate on your service. So our service to you will actually be putting food on your table. All right. Then you take the surplus, because a lot of people will never eat everything that they produce out of their landscape. You pay a portion of that as a rebate back to your customer base, and you take it and you sell it wholesale into farmer's markets. I mean, it's going to be that type of creativity. And again, there's countless sectors and countless industries out there that people are in. But it's going to be that kind of entrepreneurial creativity, that kind of thing that's made America what it is, that is going to be successful going into the future. All right? You know, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, let's say they're mechanics and auto body specialists and stuff like that. I don't know, I think the thing to be doing right now is to go out and find money before a project, if you're in that sector, and maybe say, look, there's a lot of vehicles for sale dirt cheap right now. Absolutely, positively dirt cheap. A lot of them are in need of repair. Why don't we figure out exactly what you would want, completely repaired, fixed up, body work, everything, and how much willing you're willing to put into it. Let's go find a vehicle that meets that criteria but needs work. I'll do the work and I'll keep the differential. I'll find the vehicle for you. I'll do the repair. I'll give you exactly what you would be like custom ordering a car. But I'll get it to you for less than any dealership will. And I'll use my skills to bring the car up to the quality that you expect before the truck to the quality you expect before I give it to you. I don't know if that's as sustainable a model as an edible landscaping business, but it is creativity. And that's what you're going to have to do in your business, if you own a business, or if you don't own a business, is you look to what ways can I create my own sustainable you know, additional income for myself? What are the things that I can offer that no one else can? How can I take the skills that countless other people have and package them in a new creative way? That makes me more valuable. Now might be a really good time to go out and learn a trade and learn some skills. Right now there are you know countless housing contractors that do everything from framing to roofing to flooring and things like that. They are laying people off because their business is down, yet they have to do some business or they're out of business. So most of them are trying to get by with less right now. That would make them very approachable to, hey, you know what? 
I'll work on Saturdays and Sundays or Saturdays or, you know what, I get off, I work a swing shift and I get off early on Friday and after an hour I'm ready, I can do some work. I'll take a few hours on Friday, a few hours on Saturday. I'll take minimum wage. Alright? I'll take minimum wage. I just want to learn these trades. And to go through a couple different trades and learn the skills of building and repairing homes. And upgrading and remodeling. Because that business is actually, once the economy does rebound, if it rebounds, and I do have my doubts now about that. But if it does, that industry is going to always do well. Because people are always going to need homes. And the less people have the ability to buy homes, the more they're going to need people to be able to create low-cost houses. Housing, uh, which is good for the flipping market, to create affordable houses for rent, which is good for the rental market, uh, to improve the houses that they already have because they can no longer afford to keep buying a bigger house every two years, which is good for the remodeling market. And if you know how to do those things, you have the ability to provide for yourself, to maintain your own home, to increase the value of your home, and to do all of those things for yourself without having to spend money. You can use now sweat equity. Without the skills, the sweat equity is not an option. And spending two days working with a company that lays tile, being taught by a professional exactly how to do it, is worth doing for free. Because you do not want the first time you do it to be in your house where it counts, with no supervision, no oversight, and no help. But you go to it for free, then you'll be able to easily and confidently do it in your home. So this might be a good time to start hiring yourself out dirt cheap or even as a free apprentice into different skill sets to learn. You might want to do that really heavily in as many as possible, as short as possible right now. Because odds are that one of them, one of those places that you go work for free, will figure out a way to make do in this economy, eventually will need to hire somebody else. And even if you're a computer programmer, you might see that sector tank... And all of a sudden, somebody might phone you up and go, you know what, you did a really good job when we were teaching you to frame. I just got a big project. Are you interested in a real job this time? The more people you know that understand your work ethic, your commitment, your honesty, your integrity, that know you on a first-name basis, the better you'll do in a downturn. And the better you'll do in an upturn as well. It's about building a network. So these are some of the things that I think you absolutely critically must be doing. Now, you can't do them all, so you have to pick the ones that make sense to your life. If you own a business, you're probably not going to be running around apprenticing yourself out. But you might be taking in some apprentices. All right, you got to think the other side too. You got to be creative. I think you really need to conserve your cash right now. If you're spending money on anything other than a bill you have to pay, it better be buying you something that you get to hold a long time that has value and will never be worth less than the day you paid for it to you. All right, you go out and buy a nice used truck for four thousand dollars. Five years from now, it probably ain't worth four thousand dollars. If the economy tanks and inflation goes through the worth roof, it might be worth more. But in general, cars decrease in value. But if you buy a four thousand dollar pickup truck and it gives you ten years of service, all right, that's a pretty damn good value. And it's, it's as good a place for your money as any other, especially if that truck is being used to make you money or improve your self-sufficiency. So start thinking creative. How can you make these things work? I also think, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about storing food. You better do it now. You better 
do it now. I just did a show recently where I talked about, I think it was Down in the Hills Survival Blog, and the guy said, hey, when you have food, getting more is easy. But when you're out of food and you need to find enough to survive today, getting food is hard. And he's dead on, and he's absolutely right about that. And it's now time to start being an ant. All right, spring is coming. You go to Home Depot and Lowe's right now, you're starting to see all the new plants come in, especially down here in Texas where it's nice outside already. Up north, it's going to happen very, very soon. March will be here before you know it. You're up in the northeast where I live in Pennsylvania, and the next thing you know, you'll be standing in a trout stream fishing for the stock trout in the beginning of the trout season. It's, it's, you're probably in the middle of cabin fever right now. It seems like forever away, but it's coming. All right. And with that, you got to start rebuilding that ant mentality. It's time to start gathering and storing. And I don't care if it's from foraging. I don't care if it's from fishing. I don't care. I don't care if it's from going to the store and buying rice and beans. You really need to commit to yourself to get up to at least six months of stored food this year. We are either going to see the economy eventually recover in 2010, 2011, or we're going to see this get really, really bad. I haven't decided which one I think is more likely right now. I think it's a 50, I think it's a coin toss, and it's going to be a lot about what our government does. And the things they're doing right now look really bad. They look like really terrible ideas. Right? And they look like things that are really going to drive this economy down more and more, slow it down more and more, decrease the confidence of the consumer, cut spending, which long term is good but short term is bad, and we may have gone too far. The biggest thing that's kicked me in the stomach is the last few interviews I've seen with Ron Paul. Ron Paul has been for 30 years damn near streaming. We have to do this. We have to do that. If we don't do this, it's going to be too late. You've got to listen to me. And now when you see him talk, he's saying the same things, but he's saying it with a different different attitude. He's saying it a little bit deflated and a little bit exhausted. And he's basically saying, I, I've already said this. I, I, I don't have it in me to say it anymore. He doesn't put it that way. That's the feeling I get, though. And basically what he's saying is, even if you listen to me now, and you're not going to, but even if you did, it's too late now. We've dug too deep of a hole. The only eventual result now is the collapse of the dollar. And I agree with him. I just don't know if that collapse of the dollar is a 2011 occurrence, a 2010 occurrence, or if it's a 2020 occurrence with some kind of little inflationary rebound in the middle here, and uh, we get starved off one more time before the whole thing comes crashing down, based on the trillions that we've inflated the economy by now, and the devaluation that we've created right now. I don't know which one that is, but you better plan for it to be sooner rather than later. If you plan for it to be sooner rather than later, you're going to be okay. Everything will work itself out, right? If you plan it, plan for it to be sooner rather than later, and it doesn't happen sooner, it's okay. You're in good shape. If you plan for it to be sooner rather than later, and it does happen, then you're like, I'm glad I was ready. I'm glad I was prepared. But if you plan for it to be in 2020 and you start making decisions like, you know what, we've got one more rebound left. And then all of a sudden it crashes and the rest of the world solves their problem. Right now the only thing preventing this is the rest of the world is in as much trouble as we are. The Australians are doing the bailout brigade, the Chinese, the Ru- everybody's bailing each other out right now. The world is united in solving this problem. They're pumping money in, pumping money in, pumping money in. If the rest of the world can find a solution without the United States, and odds are they can, 
Once they find that solution and they start curtailing their money supply and pulling their money back out of their economies to level things off, if we're not ready to do that too at the same time, that's when the rest of the world will turn to the United States and in unison raise one giant middle finger to us and say the dollar is no longer the gold standard. China and Russia, who don't agree about anything anymore, are priming the pump for that right now. All right, they're both united in saying that the Spanish are starting to rattle that, the Italians are starting to rattle that, the entire Middle East is starting to rattle that saber. That maybe we need a new currency. And it's not we're all going to change our money in, but what we base our money on is going to change. And right now the entire world is basing their money on the dollar. And the day they say we're not giving you guys any more, we're not loaning you any more money, we're not holding our reserves there, we're not buying your T-bills, we're done, we're going to this new standard, our dollar collapses into oblivion. And that's reality, and that can happen. Like I said, the only thing doing it right now is they can't do it right now. They're too in bed with everything that's gone on right now. They played this freaking derivatives game with us. The rest of the world joined the casino. Once they've got their losses cut and their economy stabilized, there's no need for them to continue to work with us to solve our problem. Our problem stops being their problem. It's it's not their problem because we're the United States and we're so special. It's their problem because we're they're holding billions and trillions of dollars in U.S. Treasury notes, right? But eventually they can kind of come out to their own little way to rebase everything once they figure that out and once time allows for it to occur. Don't think that they can't turn on us. And think about it. Who really doesn't want to turn on us? Who's really in love across the globe with the United States right now? From a government standpoint and from a ruling class standpoint. We're looked down on. People hate us anymore. And right now, I hate to say it, but they got a pretty good reason to hate us. Because we've screwed the entire world's economy. We made a promise under Richard Nixon when we totally went off the gold standard forever that we would never do print-on-demand money. That we would never, that, that it would be our good faith that when everybody cast off the gold standard, it would be the good faith of the United States that could be relied upon. And even with a little bit of inflation up and down and manipulation, everything stayed in tow until now. And then we went and tripled the money supply overnight and we raised a giant middle finger to the rest of the world. So don't think they won't return the favor in the future. So you've got a plan for this now. And when you start looking at profitable companies doing layoffs, unprofitable companies going bankrupt and completely wiping out tens of thousands of jobs, it's one thing when an unprofitable company lays off 10 people. But when a a company big enough to employ 30, 40, 50,000 people runs itself into the ground, that's a huge dump of inventory of, of workers into the unemployment pool looking for new jobs. And the competition for the available work just got that much tougher. And this is happening left and right and left and right. So I want you to take this seriously now. Even if you think you've already been taking it seriously, I want you to ratchet it up just a little bit. I want you to believe in yourself, and I want you to look around, and this might sound a little crazy, because sometimes you look around and go, people are idiots, and a lot of people are idiots, but I want you to believe in your fellow Americans, and if you're outside of this country, I want you to believe in your fellow countrymen. 
every country in the world has some level of nobility and greatness in it. And it does not exist in their government. It does not exist in their law. It exists in the hearts and the minds of their people. The ones that actually make things happen. The ones that actually do things. The ones that actually believe that what they do matters. That's you. And I know that's you because you care enough to be doing something about it right now. If you didn't, you wouldn't listen to me and you wouldn't be involved in the communities that are out there that talk about survivalism and preps and homesteading. Right? So you're one of those people. Well, there's thousands and thousands of others just like you. And we will be the ones that pick up the pieces when there's a downward spiral, slow stopping of the economy, or a giant splat, whichever one it is, we will be the ones to pick it up. The only way you're going to be picking it up is if you're prepared to deal with it when it's at the bottom. And that means being able to feed, clothe, and shelter, and, and provide water, and provide medicine, and provide everything else that you need to survive on a daily basis for yourself, independent of what happens elsewhere in the world. That means being able to defend what you have. Being able to have some level of armament. That's another thing that's not a bad investment right now, are good guns. Especially the guns that may be, in HR-45, the assault weapons man. If you want one of those, probably a good time to invest in that right now. High capacity magazines, if you want those, probably a good time to invest in that right now. And don't think we can't go down to a point where we have to defend what we have. And all these things that are saying Mexico's not really turning into a failed state, yeah, my hairy butt. All right? The, the number one law enforcement officer in Mexico was assassinated. That tells me all I need to know. We're pouring billions of dollars into the drug cartel's hands every day in Mexico. Every day. Money is going there like crazy. All these customs guys that are saying, well, we seized you know, $10 million worth of meth. If you seized $10 million worth of meth this month, $50 million got in. Maybe a hundred million got in. That's all that is. That's their write-off. I listened to an interview with a guy that came out of the Mexican drug cartel, turned state's evidence, went into you know uh, witness protection type of thing, and he was on an interview where they blocked him out, changed his voice, and they said, "Well, what, what you know, how, how do you guys deal with though, the way they're clamping down on the border?" He said, "It doesn't mean anything to us. It's so cheap to produce methamphetamine in Mexico. It's dirt cheap. We just produce enough so that when we lose some, we lose some. It's a cost of doing business." We look at it like a fee. You know, we're going to produce uh, 100 tons, we're going to lose 10. So we make sure we price the 90 high enough to compensate for the 10 we lost. It's just the cost of doing business. And there's so much profit in it that they could double what they're seizing and we would just raise our prices a little bit and it would all work itself out. And when a country has that much money coming into its criminal element... And it's got the problems that it has. And the next thing that's going to happen, folks, Mexico's going to ask the United States for a bailout and tell us it's too, they're too big to fail. And is our government and our people going to be willing to and are we going to be stupid enough to fall for that one? Times are getting tough. And they're going to get tougher. And all I can say, all I can advise you to do right now is to ensure your, your money the best way you can 
to diversify your investments as best you can, to not believe the hype, and don't be buying stocks right now unless you really know what you're doing, what you're buying, and why. And that's good advice whether times are good or times are bad. To accept the fact that every penny you earn from a job, income, or even business that you own could disappear tomorrow and you may have to deal with it. And to really analyze what if that happens. I really want you to go out and get a a notebook and I want you to keep a spending journal. And I want you to put everything on the chopping block. And I want you to know if this occurs, this is what we give up. This is where the money comes from. Because if you don't, you'll try to live life like normal for the first 60 days and you'll turn back and you'll have $10,000 worth of credit card debt you swore to God you would never have or never go back into. And it can happen that fast. So please take these things seriously. Take my message seriously today. Take control of your life. And if you do that, you're going to find yourself living a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Hoping I've really lit a fire underneath you today to figure out how to live that better life no matter how tough or how good times are. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.